Hello, welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we are talking about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here, joined by John Bruce, Creekside's pastor of discipleship, my father, dad. How are you? I'm doing great, Jeff. Good, good. Are glad, you, glad to be here. Are you working on any new habits right now, Dad? Let's see. The, I think the habit I'm working on right now is controlling my thoughts. That's the, I, so many of my thoughts are not like, I don't think like Jesus thinks. And uh, very, I can be very condemning or very judgmental or all kinds of different things. So I'm trying to build a habit of thinking the way Jesus would think by calling to mind in different situations what Scripture would apply. So that's the... That's my current habit I'm working on. Wow. Well, two things about that strike me. One, you didn't know I was going to ask you that question, so I'm amazed that you had an answer ready at hand. Uh, but two, that sounds like the meta habit, controlling your thinking. I mean, we've done some podcasts on thinking about thinking, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, it's more a, a need that I'm perceiving in myself that I, you know, I, I tolerate so much old-style thinking huh. and habitual thoughts that really aren't the way. And so I'm, I think it's really hampering me from becoming like Christ in a lot of hmm. ways. It's good. So what habit are you working on? Um, asking better questions at the <laughs> beginning of podcast. No, I... You're I, succeeding. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to establish that habit. Good. No, I... Uh, we've got some new eating habits mm. that my wife has initiated for us, and uh, they've really worked well. I've and been amazed. A, you're I, a shadow of your former I'm self. I'm a shadow. I, no, I, uh, but you know what? It hasn't been that uh, intolerable to, to switch up the eating and uh, eating clean for most of the time, cutting out a bunch of stuff, but then just going binge crazy a few <laughs> dinners a week. Uh, where, uh, but it, actually, that works better for me to say I can just eat anything yeah, this night, yeah. and that's what I'm gonna, yeah, uh, great. you know, feast. And then other nights, you know, having having that uh, rhythm has helped me. But uh, but this is not a podcast about, about food. food or <laughs> dieting, and you should not take my advice. You should consult with a nutritionist about that for yourself, listeners. But we are gonna talk about the habits of a missionary, and continue that series. So why are we talking about this? Well, because every Christian is called to be a missionary. I was thinking this week about Acts 17, where the Apostle Paul says that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Paul is saying that God has placed every single person at their time in history and in their context that they should seek him. And I think we could flip that around and say God has placed each Christian in their time and context that they should seek the lost. God has already sent us. In John 17 and John 20, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So Christ has already positioned you, and you are commanded by him and empowered by the Spirit to go into the world and make disciples. Every single Christian is already sent. Every single Christian is called to be a missionary. And so, assuming that's true, how do we live on mission? What, what would your life look like if you believed that you were sent by God to the context in which you live? Well, well, that's really the question we're trying to answer. 
And as a springboard for this discussion, we're using Sam Chan's brand new book, which he has entitled, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy, Personal Evangelism in a Skeptical World. Chan is a gifted evangelist. He really is a missionary and provides great practical insights on how to live on mission. So, Dad, we are talking right now about talking, about sharing Jesus with others and the components of doing this well. Uh, last week, we talked about telling a better story, and that's the story of Jesus. And right. we looked at how we're all storied creatures. We see ourselves as living in a story, and that story helps to, to make sense of our lives. And we looked at some of the dominant narratives that people embrace in our culture, and then how to tell the, the story of Jesus in a way that demonstrates how Jesus is the better story for our lives. And so I think Chan kind of elaborates on that idea in chapters six and seven. Uh, you know, I, I, you've probably noticed this, but this is about the point in the book where authors start repeating themselves, and that's what Chan starts doing in chapters six and seven, diving deeper into to talking about Jesus. But I think there are some things that are helpful here. So we're going to condense our discussion, combine chapters six and seven, right. talk about his ideas here. So, so really in chapter six, Chan delves deeper into the work of evangelism and engaging in spiritual conversations. Right. Telling stories about Jesus. So what, what are some things that stood out to you in this chapter? Well, I think it'd be great if everybody would come to us and say, please tell me, tell me the story of Jesus. But that's not real life. And, and usually we have to um, initiate those conversations. They, most people do not come to us. And, and I think uh, Chan had a great illustration of that, of those who have dated know the, he calls it the friend zone, but it's when you're in a relationship uh, with somebody and you're friends, but you, you kind of, you think maybe you'd like to move on from that to a, a, a dating relationship, but you're afraid to do that because you're afraid you might be rejected and you might be moving too fast. And yet if you stay at the friend zone, that thing's never going to go anywhere. So you've kind of got this uncomfortable time where you're between relationships. And he relates that to Christians in friendships with, with non-believers is that you can be friends, but you kind of want that friendship to move on now to, to a little more deeper discussions. And I thought that was a great analogy. It's a great analogy. And if it weren't for the friend zone, there would be no romantic comedies. That's I mean, right. If this phenomenon <laughs> didn't exist, we wouldn't have that genre. That's right. But I think it is a trap that we can very easily fall into because on the pendulum of oversharing or undersharing Jesus, I would say we have gone drastically to the side of undersharing Jesus in our relationships with non-believers yeah. uh, for the typical Christian. And, and the reason for that is understandable, that, that we don't want to come across as pushy, as judgmental, as shoving our beliefs down people's throats, and so we stay silent. Right. And we right. think, I'm going to invest in this relationship. I'm going to, quote, unquote, earn the right to be heard. You hear that phrase right. a lot. And, and there's something to be commended in that spirit of, of not wanting to push people away by forcing our beliefs on them. But there's a pitfall, isn't there, if we only go to that side? And, and what do you think about some of the pitfalls of doing that? Well, I think the first one I think of, just as you say that, many people interpret earning the right to be heard as earning the right to be asked. And, uh, you know, if, you're, if you just try to be a great person and just wait for that person to bring up spiritual issues, it's probably never going to happen 
for a couple of reasons, because they're not thinking along those, those, those lines. But also, evangelism takes faith. It takes, it, it is faith, my faith in God's power to use his word in this person's life. And so if you, if you look at the evangelism in the, the New Testament, it's probably 99% initiated by the Christian. The Christian steps out on faith. Um, I just think of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. God says, go up and join that chariot. Philip has no idea what he's going to say or what he's right. going to do, but he sees the man reading from Isaiah. So he just says, well, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, no, I don't, and, and invites him to get up in the chariot and explain the passage that he's learning. But it, but it, that man would have never, Ethiopian eunuch would have never asked Philip to do that if Philip hadn't initiated and asked him if you understand what, what you're reading there. And it seems like most evangelism, you have to step out of faith and, and initiate the, the topic. Yeah, and that is a risk. I think the danger of the friend zone is that once you're in it, it's very hard to get out of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so if you cultivate relationships, and then over a few years, you really stay silent about your faith. You, you don't um, say anything that indicates that this is central to who you are. Then bringing it up becomes almost not just awkward, but disingenuous. You're yeah. bringing up something that you've never brought up with, yeah. brought up in the past, yeah. and, and the person can feel very um, taken aback when you do bring it up. Yeah, it's very it's, awkward, yeah. because you've never mentioned this to me. What, what are you talking about? You yeah. know, it's uh, it, it's kind of like um, the analogy I've often used. It's like being married and never telling someone you have a wife. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, years later, you go, you let me tell you about my wife. She's an amazing person, how wonderful she is. And you just think, what is wrong with this person? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's really the danger of... Um, in the name of earning the right to be heard, staying silent about our relationship with Jesus, is it's inauthentic. Yeah. That, that we are not being straightforward about who we are, yeah. about our identity in Christ and the central role that faith plays. And, and so it becomes very difficult to have that spiritual conversation. I remember talking to a guy a few years back, and he said, you know, one thing I appreciate about you is that you don't push Christianity on me. And I took that as a compliment at the time. And then I thought about it, and I said, but we've never talked about Christianity. We've never even had a spiritual conversation. Yeah. And yeah. I think particularly as a pastor, I am very aware of the fact that people expect me to have spiritual conversations. And so yeah. sometimes I'm a bit more reticent to go there. Uh, but I would say that's an example of going too far the other side of the pendulum, yeah. where I'd never taken a risk yeah. to, to talk about spiritual issues with the person. Yeah. Now, that being said, Dad, most of us are not going to get an evangelistic opportunity like Philip, where we see a guy reading the Bible and then say, Hey, I want to talk about what you're reading. Now, that's that's pretty low uh, hanging fruit in terms yeah. of evangelistic conversations. Yeah. And so the question is then, we don't want to shove this down people's throats. We don't want to be weird or awkward about it. And yet we want to push relationships out of the friend zone towards deeper things. What can we do to break through that barrier and let people know about our relationship with Jesus and how important it is to us? That's a good question. I, I, think, I think one of the mis other mistakes we make, and I'll start with that, is we, we talk about church. We, we, 
we talk about the activities we do as Christians as a way of, of witnessing. Mm-hmm. So what did you do this weekend? Well, I went to church. It was really great. It was a great sermon or great people or, or something like that. Yeah. And yet that's not, and that's a great thing, but that's not really getting to the essence of what Christianity is about. Mm-hmm. And depending on that person's experience or lack of experience with church, it cannot be helpful at all rather than showing how following Christ really affects you personally. Hmm. And so I think that's kind of where we have to start is, is what difference does it make that I'm a Christian in terms of my everyday life? Um, one of the things that I used to try to do when, we, when I was in my book group is I would always look for moral dilemmas, yeah. moral questions that would come up in the, in the actual story. Hmm. And, and, and I would always ask questions, now why do you think that person made the decision they made that would you think that and you think that was right a right decision right. a wrong decision which i found very fruitful because when you talk about moral choices and how people make their moral choices and what is right and wrong that just sets up then uh, to be able to share why you make moral choices and how how would you respond in exactly. that situation and what criteria would you use exactly. to make that decision yeah and so just to think in terms of of moral decisions, right and wrong. We, uh, I, when when you guys, when you and Jenny were growing up, you probably remember we would talk about ethical questions. I do remember that. And uh, while we were riding in the car, and I would just set up a set up a hypothetical situation and would ask, well, what's the right thing? What do you think the right thing to do in that situation is? Right. Um, but I think that also works in evangelism uh, because it when you start with morality or the law. Um, it it translates over to the gospel very quickly, I think. I think that's a good one. I think it's great to tell people you go to church, personally. Mm-hmm. Even if they've had a bad experience with church, you can create a counter-narrative there by talking about what you appreciate about it. But I think the importance there is that you're not talking about activities or programs of the church as much as you're talking about people and your meaningful relationships there. Yeah. Um, but it is an easier way to break the barrier to just say, hey, what did you do this weekend? You know, after going to church, I did this, did that, and just let people know you're a person of faith Yeah. and that this is important to you. I think that's great. But to get deeper, I agree. You have to um, find ways to share how your faith is informing how you make decisions. Right. Right. And, and I think that's a great one. Yeah. Another easy one is, you know, as you're talking about an issue, if it brings to mind a scripture, say, yeah, you know, one thing Jesus said about this that really clarified this for me, and I think that's kind of how I approach it, is because of that. And if you can give an example like that, um, you know, I was, I was in a conversation um, just a few days ago with people and it talked about kindness and that in my view, kindness is not utilitarian. You know, I'm not kind simply to get something out of it, but I think that based on Matthew five and Jesus saying, loving your enemies, that the motivation there is to be like God in heaven, right? Who, who your father in heaven, who causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. And basically Jesus' point is that God is merciful. And so if you want to become like God, you should be kind. Yeah, yeah. And and I just said that's a very different way of looking at kindness. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, than yeah. than just the the well, if I am kind, then I'm going to expect kindness in return, and that's yeah. that's really the reason to be kind. And so, um, but finding things like that. Now the the challenge there 
is you have to really be in the Word yourself and be learning things and have that spiritual discipline in order to talk that way about your faith. Exactly. It reminds me of what Jesus said, uh, first take the log out of your own eye, and you'll see clearly how to take the speck out of your brother's. Right. So the more we are evaluating ourselves and where we need to grow and what, how Christ is, wants to shape our lives, the easier it will be for us to talk to other people about those things. But if we're blind to our own needs to change, it's going to be very difficult to, to really know how to respond or even see the issues right. where, where people uh, you would be an, an avenue to talk about, talk about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and I just I think about Paul um, when he was imprisoned. He was talking with, um, I believe it was Felix, the governor, Roman governor Felix, and it was just talk- interesting. He, used to, he, he says as Paul was talking about righteousness and 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 uh, the judgment to come and mm-hmm. and all these moral issues. It says Felix became very very afraid, and he said, "We will talk about these things later." <laughs> And he kind of ended the conversation. But the point was, that says to me, is that Paul was kind of pursuing this this type of conversation of looking about what's the difference between right and wrong? and What's mm-hmm. the right thing? What's the noble thing to do in this situation? And and uh, why would you do that? Well, Paul says, I, I believe that every person will stand before God to be judged for what they did. Yeah. And... Um, I like that. Yeah, it it is... Uh... And, and and from that example, you know, you might, it, the person might shut it down after that or might be scared, but they, at least they know where you, you stand. Yeah. I, one thing that's helped me in thinking about this is something one of our elders, Kyle Driggers, said, uh, based on 1 Thessalonians 2, what Paul says to the Thessalonians, when he came to them, he said he shared the gospel and he shared life yeah. with them. And... Kyle made the point that a lot of times we think, i got to share a lot of life, and then I'll share the gospel. Mm. But Paul did it exactly the opposite. Right. The first thing he did was share the gospel, right. and then he shared a lot of life yeah. with those people. Yeah. And, and he said that's a great template for living as a missionary, that the as early as you can, put your flag in the, in the sand yeah. about where you stand. Now, that doesn't mean you go through the four spiritual laws and... Um, go through the whole gospel presentation with a person, what it means is that you stake out your ground very early that you're a Christian and find some way naturally to talk about that. Yeah. Um, because that will help to set the tone for the rest of the relationship. And then you just keep living in a relationship with the person and 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 not try to be sneaky about getting the gospel in there or making the relationship contingent on that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really think that that God will lead you. I mean, for us, that's easy, because people say, what do you do? And when we say, well, I'm a pastor, that you pretty much raised your flag there. Well, and, yeah, uh, and, and it <laughs> it instantly creates a response. Either yeah. people go, oh, or they go, oh. Yeah, exactly. And you kind of know what you're dealing with. <laughs> but for other Christians, I think they have to be a little more creative about that. And, and like, to go back to your point, I think that's a, that is the time to talk about church. I, I, I attend church. Yeah. Or uh, if, if it's if it's some moral issue to say, well, as a you know, as a follower of Christ, I, it's really important to me that I that I that I love my neighbors myself. So that becomes kind of the foundation for how I make these kind of decisions, or just something like that. Mm-hmm. I think really can can where you identify right early on in the relationship who you are, where you're coming from. 
Yeah, and if you know a person well, I don't think these opportunities are as challenging as we think because we all experience the same things in terms of relational conflict, um, yeah. broken relationships with people, and and then we all have to deal with forgiveness and reconciliation in relationships. And as you get a, to know a person better, those issues are going to come up. Um, and then you have a great chance to just ask the questions, well, how do you how do you forgive someone? Yeah. And when do you forgive someone? And, and why should you forgive someone? And, and all of those things. I found those questions to be tremendously fruitful. I think of conversations with neighbors about forgiveness where it's been so easy yeah. to just go into, yeah, you know, if I didn't understand God's forgiveness, I would have a very hard time understanding why I should forgive right. or what the purpose of forgiveness is. Right. And that leads not just to a spiritual conversation, but to the gospel itself. Exactly. And in a way that isn't awkward or weird at all, it's it's very organically related to the issue at hand. Yeah. And that reminds me of, of another thing, Chance, that I thought was good, is that we evangelize more as a counselor than as a, as a preacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, he makes the point that a lot of us were trained in evangelism back when evangelism was primarily thought of as a great crusade, and you, had, you brought everybody to hear some gifted evangelists speak, mm-hmm. but but that's not the way you evangelize uh, to an individual. It's more like a counselor where you're asking questions and responding and, and things like that. And so I, I think questions are so, so key. I mean, you have to really pay attention and be listening right. and, and feeling with the person and, and identifying with the person and what would it like, what would it feel like to be in that person's situation and stuff, mm-hmm. to be able to think of, even think of questions to ask. But when you can ask the right questions, like I just, I was thinking what the guy said to you about not pushing, he appreciated how you hadn't pushed Christianity on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, probably a question you could have asked, you know, now, now we... I already know what you're going to say. Now, uh-huh. I already know what you're going to say, yeah. and I'm kicking myself they didn't ask it. Yeah, yeah. So, you had any bad experiences with that? Yeah. Where someone tried to push the faith on you? Yeah, exactly. Just to, just to keep the... It's it's returning the serve. It's just hitting the ball back to keep the, keep the rally going. Yeah, and I'm embarrassed to say that it isn't till right now that I realized that was a great opportunity to go deeper <laughs> in the relationship. Um, yeah. So uh, you've got to be attentive. You, yeah, you do. And I think that it, it puts more pressure on you, but takes pressure off too, because in that situation, it's not a question, do I know the right answer? The, the goal is not to give the right answer. The goal is to keep the conversation going right. and see where the Spirit of God will lead you in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I'm having a George Costanza, what I should have said moment oh, here. Uh, I, have a, them, I have them every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's chapter six. Uh, chapter seven, Chan, to me, is kind of talking about the same thing. But but he talks about being your friend's unofficial connection to the sacred. Right. <laughs> being a chaplain right. to them. Right. Um, yeah. A- any thoughts on this chapter um, and things that stood out? Yeah, he he talks about being known for your wisdom, and I I struggled with that a little bit because I don't think any of us think of ourselves as particularly wise people. But I think that's kind of actually a prerequisite to wisdom in yes. the Book of Proverbs: <laughs> is that you don't think you're wise yeah. in your own eyes and just fear God and live according to what He says. But I digress. Yeah, yeah. But I think you know if you become if you are a, a deeper person and you think deeply about issues, whatever the issues, and you do reading and and thinking and conversing about things, you are an unusual person. 
because no, most people aren't that way. Yeah. And so just becoming a person that, that thinks about things and doesn't just follow the, the crowd um, uh, or follow the media, but can say, here's what I think about this, or here's, here's what I would suggest doing in this situation. You become very valuable to the people around you. Yeah. Yeah, and someone that they want to talk to. Yeah. I, I think one takeaway I saw from this is being informed about different issues yeah. and having a take on them and thinking deeply about them, how beneficial that is in evangelism. I yes. think that's really what he's, he's getting at, is that you're a person who thinks deeply and profits from a wide array of areas of study. Yeah. Uh, biblically or theologically, we would say that this is an issue of general revelation versus special revelation, right? That God has special revelation where he reveals himself through his word, through the gospel, and um, that is the knowledge we need that is necessary for salvation and a relationship with him. But God has also built um, wisdom into the fabric of the universe, that it's publicly accessible, and that's general revelation, that we can learn truth and truths uh, about God and life just from the created order. Yeah. Uh, and, and so as Christians, we shouldn't despise those things, that, that, that we should be informed in science and philosophy and politics and all these other areas and, and think deeply about these things. And the more we do, the more people see that if we can become a credible source of thinking or information for people, that really bolsters our ability to then share the gospel. Yeah. And conversely, if we talk... <laughs> out of ignorance about issues, it really diminishes our ability exactly. to share the gospel. Exactly. I think I, I might switch the word wisdom for problem solving, um, hmm. because I think really what we're talking about is being generous and looking how to be of help to people and, yeah. and how to help them to practically solve the problems they or the community or whatever is facing. Um, as somebody who's so it's not just that you're this wealth of of random information you know what i mean <laughs> that, you, that you've got an opinion on everything but it's more that, which is true i yeah. do but uh <laughs> but i don't think that's wisdom you're right no but it's it's really employing that information in a in a helpful way for people to help them to to solve some of the practical issues they struggle with and i i think that really enhances your position as a christian witness yeah, and he talks about the practical nature of wisdom and that showing that life works better this way. Yeah. But, but the only way you can do that is modeling it. Yeah. The person just has to see you, um, the way you interact with your spouse, your kids, or the way you work, or the disciplines in your life. They have just kind of have to see that and then be intrigued. I, I don't know that you can demonstrate your wisdom by talking about how wise you are. <laughs> no, you can't uh, in the context suggest everything. But I just remember when I was on the board of our swim team, yeah. and we went through some difficult times um, organizationally and personality-wise, and just being able to be a moderating influence and being able to, to point the middle way through some problems and, and uh, give some practical suggestions seemed to be very appreciated by people later on um, and, and enhanced credibility. Yeah, and, and maybe the, the biblical tie-in here because I'm still a little fuzzy on what he's getting at, Yeah, is in 1 Timothy 3, Paul talks about one of the qualifications for church leadership being that you're thought well of by outsiders. Right, right. That 
people outside the faith can look at you and you have a reputation that is good, that you are respected, that yeah. you are held in high esteem. Now, how do you get that? Well, usually it's by being excellent at something yeah. outside of church stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To put it uh, crassly. Yeah. And so I think really um, one way to really increase our credibility as evangelists is to strive for excellence in any field we're in. Yeah. Yeah. And so whatever you do for work, if you really despise what you do but try to be a witness there, you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah. Or if you're lazy, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. You have to establish a relationship. Not only is that guy a Christian, but he is a tremendously skilled architect, lawyer, doctor, janitor, whatever it is. I think great, a great biblical example of that is Daniel. He had a lot of enemies, um, and Joseph too, but they looked for some form of negligence that they could pin on, on Daniel and as, for his work in the government of Babylon, and they couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Everything he did, he handled with excellence and integrity. Yeah, and I think that is what establishes a lot of our credibility to have those deeper conversations. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that was a helpful takeaway from one that. O- one other practical thing he said, which I think we all know, but it's good to be reminded of, is just know everybody's name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easy to not listen to when somebody tells you their name, unless there's somebody who's vitally important to you. But it impresses people to know in. It makes people feel so much more connected when you just can remember that they won't remember your name, but that you can remember their name. And so I, every time I meet somebody new, I write down their name. I've got a list of people I've met, and I put a little, um, little notation where I met them and one thing I remember about them um, yeah. to try. And then I, I, I pray for those people uh, on a regular basis to, to try to. But I just find that that, that helps a lot. Yeah, I think communicating value to the person. Um, this is kind of how to win friends, influence people 101, but people love to hear the sound of their own name. Yeah. And uh, it is a real way of communicating value. And if you can remember specific details about them and you already have a system for this and habits, and I do not have that habit. So I'm impressed that you have that system. Well, I don't, I don't remember people's names naturally. And uh, so I have to have a system for doing it. I just think that if we're ambassadors of Christ... Well, we represent God who remembers everybody's name. Hmm. And so I think it's, it's really important. If they're going to see God in us, they need to see that we have some personal interest in them. Mm-hmm. I, I think one last thing from the chapter that's helpful is just the role of prayer yeah. in, in friendships. And um, that if people know you're praying for them, uh, they're going to oftentimes be more open to you praying with them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that is a great way to, as he says, connect them to the sacred, but but just to let them know you are a person who lives out your faith. Right. And, right. and if you have a relationship with a person, it's not as threatening to do that as you might think. Yeah. You, just starting with, you know what, I will be praying for that, just to let you know. Yeah. And, and often, I would say, majority of the times, people will not take offense at that. And if they do, you really learn who they are and where you're at in the relationship. But, um, you know, Emily Driggers is, to me, a great example of that. Um, she's a Creeksider, but she probably prays with more non-Christians than anyone I know, and I've seen her do it. Yeah. And it's so sincere. 
and so heartfelt. She has non-believers coming to her all the time saying, hey, can you pray about this thing? Can you pray about that thing? Because she knows, they know that she will, and sometimes prayers she prays get answered. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how many coincidences occur in people's lives once, once they start praying. Once, once they pray. Yeah. And they really see evidence. For a lot of them, it's the first evidence they see that maybe there is a God. Yeah. And maybe he does care about them. As, as a Christian says, I'll pray about that. And then a week goes by and they, suddenly something's changed. Yeah. No, that's good. And if you can be that person who remembers names, who listens, who asks probing questions, who offers to pray, it really gets to the last point in his chapter, that in times of crisis, those people will come to you. Right. That, that you have become a safe harbor in their life. And it is during those crisis times where you often have then the ability to point people to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, a long game here. It's a, it's a long road with relationships. Right. But, but these are some of the things that we can do um, to plow the ground um, in order to, to, to share the gospel with people. Exactly. I think he made one other point that fits right in with that of being a non-anxious, calm presence. And I think one of the reasons it's difficult for us to handle people in crisis is because we get scared. We get scared we're going to say the wrong thing, or we get caught up in the, in the um, emotion of the moment. And so I think cultivating that calm, um, peaceful attitude is so important for people in helping them in times of crisis. I think anxiety has surpassed depression in clinical diagnoses now. Mm. And we are an incredibly anxious culture. Yeah. COVID has certainly accelerated that, but the the momentum was shifting in that direction far before COVID. And so I think one of the most profound witnesses to our culture where I heard one person say anxiety is almost a virtue now, that you need to be anxious about things all the time, is to be people who are concerned about issues in the world, but who demonstrate their concern by taking action yeah. to love their neighbor. Yeah. They aren't paralyzed by their anxiety. And then to be people who exude peace and joy in their everyday lives, I think that's one of the most powerful testimonies to Jesus uh, at this cultural moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. good. I think that's a great place to leave off. What do you think? I think that's a perfect place. Great. Well, next week, we're going to talk about leaning into disagreement. Excited to get into that chapter. Maybe we'll disagree. We'll have to lean into some disagreement, <laughs> but it'll be enjoyable uh, no matter what. So listeners, thanks so much, and we will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.